This is Space Cats Peace Turtles, the unofficial podcast for Fantasy Flight's Twilight Imperium. Episode 252, Can Anyone Be Good? Music by Ben Prunty, featuring Matt Martins and Hunter Donaldson. Hunter, how's Calaris going for you? You've been playing. You've been playing. I'm, I have a Calaris game tomorrow, which is now today, but tomorrow. Right. And, uh, You're playing I'm, a Calaris homebrew game. I'm playing. Yeah, it's it's a it's it's very light on the homebrew, but it'll change sort of the pace of the game. But I'll I'll still get to have a pretty normal feeling round one and two. I would say. Are you gonna play as Calaris in the it's, game, or is somebody else going to? I don't know. I don't know yet. I I will probably try to play them, but I also. May not force it. I don't know. We'll see what the we'll see what the. Do you like is. them at all, Matt? Do you like? The Do new I faction? like the Claris? Because I... cages and some others mm. hate the new faction. Hate them. They I say. don't think they I'm capable of hating anything in Twilight Imperium. I don't think I oh. hate anything. In really? The game. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you hate the whole game, but maybe not individual components. I can hate myself while I play the game. That's oh, very that's easy to do. that's who it is. I see. I'm sorry. I, that's a big mess up for me. I did not necessarily understand your hate matrix. <laughs> yeah. uh, now I'm starting to understand the hate matrix a little mm-hmm. better. Here at episode 252, Hunter understands the hate matrix. If I hate something, it is only because I am interpreting it as a failure of myself. It yeah, is yeah. never you the interpreting thing itself. It as having judged you yeah, yeah. unworthy, <laughs> you know? Super it, Smash Brothers Melee deemed me unfit for duty. <laughs> yeah, it deemed you, it, it sits on a throne with a little crown and like a scepter and it's and it's gigantic, yeah. you know, whatever whatever it is, it sits there and it's it's many, many stories tall. Yeah. You know, it's like as big as the Empire State Building and it's looking down <laughs> upon you and it said, and you're so tiny, you know? And it points its big finger down and says, I judge you unworthy. <laughs> That's why the Mahawk are such a great addition to TI, because right. they just have that kind of vibe, they you know, that, that. Like, kind of pointy, judgy vibe, and mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. That's what we needed in TI, Dane. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thank you for the mean the mean faction. Uh, yeah, no, I'm <laughs> finally I'm, a mean one. <laughs> but the others have been so kind. I am... I'm excited to finally get some Calaris games in. That's what I that's what I really need is just to see them in action. But uh, I think that they're fun. I think that they're lore forward, and I don't care how broken or powerful they are. I just don't care. It's fine. They can be broken. Whatever. They can. I don't they think can they're be really broken. Good. And they're probably the not broken, say right? Broken? No, no yeah. people. People. I think that's the joke. But they're not broken. But they are quite good. The broken part is like the things that are actually broken that like we don't know how to rule on. The, like, oh what yeah, they yeah. Do. <laughs> There's yeah. aspects of them that that don't work so good. But, There's uh, we'll definitely there. questions, and yes. hey, it'd be cool if we, you know, we should get some answers to those questions. Yeah, I'm yeah, starting yeah. to feel like maybe we're getting closer to just us coming up with the answers <laughs> ourselves <laughs> and telling everyone what the answers are. You know we what could, I mean? Like, it would be so easy to just lie and just say I wonder, that we talked to Dane 
And Milty is Milty going to give up the goose? No, Milty wants well, these questions who answered. Who will we consult? Exactly. You know, Milty. We'll we get, get to just tr properly pretend that Milty is Dane, and Dane and Milty can just be like, no, 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 y'all. I talked to Dane, and Dane right. said this, and then Dane, like four months later, be like, say hey, what, what happened? Oh, don't worry about it. We just solved all the problems. And he would be like, oh, great. I really did not want to do that. <laughs> yeah, I think we should just do that, like going forward. And also, I think it's funny. People have always had that uh, that theory that Milty and Dane are the same person. Uh -huh. Um, and I assure you, I assure you, they are not. Um, because if they were, Milty would have already answered all of the questions right, that right. would, you know what I mean? Like the only, issue only at Dane hand would leave us out in the rain like this. <laughs> the the issue is we have this 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 uh, what's it called? Catch twenty two, where Dane defers to Milty. But Milty has to defer to Dane on like the final say of thing. Like there's right. th there's actually nobody in charge because there are some things Milty doesn't currently get to make the call on. Right. And right. we would literally solve all those problems if we just said, you know what, Milty, why don't you just make the call? What do you, you think, Milty? What do you think? <laughs> what do you think, Milty? How about we get Milty's intent on this one? How about that? Uh -huh. You take that, Dane. We're getting Milty's intent. <laughs> and then, of course, maybe the way it can work is Dane's intent will override Milty's if when Dane uh -huh. gets around to it. Uh huh. But in the current time, right. I'm, I'm kind of have my mind's I'm blowing yeah. my own mind right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have the an in lieu of Dane ruling. In lieu yeah. of Dane, Milty. <laughs> yeah, in lieu of Dane, Milty until <laughs> Dane gets around to it. So mm. there will be expect a new FAQ. Right. To come out uh, addressing all the rules questions from Codex 3, yeah. okay, with no Dane approval on it, but with us, the political arm of, <laughs> of Twilight Imperium, pushing it forward. You uh -huh. know what I mean? We are sort of the extra. You're, you're of suggesting some executive. You're you're suggesting some executive orders. <laughs> yes. I, if Dane is Congress and and Milty is the Supreme Court, then we are the presidents. <laughs> <laughs> oh no we're 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 at the, we're at you know gridlock yeah okay and the two of us are gonna start passing things through reconciliation <laughs> is what's happening now we don't need 60 votes all right mm -mm. 51 mm -mm. will do need okay? one person with a hope and a dream and yeah. a willingness <laughs> yeah and we've got the supreme court's ear we've packed that yeah. court oh god all right. all right it's getting too real enough <laughs> <laughs> enough uh uh what is today's episode well first we've got some errata from last week's guide to agendas man there's some fun goof-em-ups in this one i'm 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 excited for this uh the first one is somewhere in there we were talking about uh, political censure and my brain turned off is what happened apparently because for like a few minutes we talked about like well the only thing you're gonna be afraid of with political censure is that repeal law so you better save a sabotage in case repeal law comes out because you don't want someone to repeal your victory point right right do you notice any uh, inherent flaws with that thing i suggested yeah, so when you have political censure, you can't play action cards. That's yeah. the whole thing, huh? That's so like you can't whole. sabotage your repeal <laughs> because it, the repeal will have already gone through by the time you get your magical yeah. action card abilities back. Yeah. You yeah. know, I feel like this happens every single time political censure does, in fact, come out and is in play. Everyone has that moment of like, well, you could just do... Oh, wait. No, yeah, you can't do it. You can't, you can't do, do that. it, huh? You can't do nothing. Yeah. Yeah, you kind of just have to hope. You, you just got to live on a hope and a prayer. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Just got to hope that no one does it to you unless that card. Unless, unless you are Empyrean or Exchaw. I could, I could feel the keyboards typing okay. away to get at me. So there's two, there are two factions that can get away with it. Watchers yeah, and yeah, instinct yeah. training can, can do away with those things. But that's it. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. 
That's uh, interesting. We got another one here from Gekapop, uh, a small errata for Galactic Crisis Pact on tech. The Jolnar ability does not activate because they don't spend a command counter. Uh, it's th so this is this is a ruling I have long hated, uh, but the wording of Galactic Crisis Pact mm -hmm. is that you do not spend a token to do the thing. Whereas in other instances of like not having to spend, it often will say spend from reinforcements or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then I think I think the relic is even weirder, but whatever it is, it's like just barely the right wording to justify the notion that Jolnar only gets the stuff only gets to do the primary stuff when they actually spend the token to do the secondary. And in Galactic Prices Pack, you do the secondary without spending the token. Spending the token. It's so nitty. It's so annoying. There's no way you could just like understand that from reading all uh -huh. the text. Uh -huh. But there it is. There it is, everybody. There's like my Errata. least favorite ruling that exists in the game. Yeah. You we we've been schooled. <laughs> uh and one more here from Zendog. It's probably been said already. It hadn't been, Zendog. You were the first. You're, you are the smartest dog in the class. Uh, but <laughs> even after Mutiny, there are reasons to save a vote for the second agenda. Aside from unconventional measures, you could want to bluff deadly plot. Whoa. It could also come nice up level. that you want to sell a tech to Necro via voting. Uh, anyways, I, think it's, I still think it's worth saving a vote just as a general rule. Unless you need a bathroom break, he says. <laughs> Don't save the vote if you just want to leave. And they, they yeah. can't do anything if about it. If you just want to leave, then get out of there. You know? Get out of there. Yeah, you know? I, th I think when we were talking about mutiny, we got kind of in that headspace of like, if you're looking for very general rules, you no longer need to save the vote. But it's probably right that more generally speaking, you should just always, always, always save that vote. Be because who knows what weird ways you might need that vote to be leveraged for something. The point, though, is... The primary reason we save a vote is because it can be worth a point, and boy, wouldn't you feel silly to not have saved the vote and then miss out on a point, but then once that point is gone, there's nothing that's going to make you feel that silly. Nothing in Zendog's examples even was like, oh, I'm going to feel like such a dolt if I don't save a yeah. vote for that, sure, but they sure. are all plays that you could do, so in that way, it's quite good play to just always save the vote, but it is no yeah. longer uh, very silly to have not saved the vote or whatever. Yes, totally, totally. Um, and real quick, before we get into the episode proper, I uh, just wanted to just real quick tournament overview. This is stuff is only relevant for the week the episode comes out. So people in the future, just ignore this. But um, we have our first three finalists. We are halfway through the semis. Yep. Uh, we have another weekend of games coming right at you on Saturday, June 25th, starting at 12 p.m. Eastern time. We have semis game four featuring uh, some players that you might recognize, uh, including uh, Imsen. Uh, Humble Checkmate, who was a finalist last year, Visioness, uh, and some others. Uh, very interesting game. Uh, and then on, and that will be commentated by Matt and someone probably, else. Probably, maybe Elspeth. It might be me and maybe Elspeth. Maybe Elspeth. Um, and then game five will be on Sunday, June 26th, starting at 11 a.m. Eastern time. Uh, and that will feature uh, Mantis, old school uh, player, and others. Uh, some very exciting uh, kind of new blood. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, there's Dragon Jade will be in that. So hopefully we'll get a 
a kind of uh, return of some sort of goofy, very bad plan that will not work. Um, if you know, you know. Um, and this will be commentated by me and EJ, who did commentate the original the plan, plan game, uh, if you know what we're talking about. Um, so yeah, uh, exciting games coming up. Yeah, Check yeah, those yeah. out this weekend. Uh, please keep checking out the qualifier report. Well, you can search that on podcast apps. Uh, I know he hosts it on Podbean, but Stads does the qualifier report. And right now he is doing essentially the road to the semifinals. He's doing hype episodes. So uh, we didn't list every name, but if you want to learn about every single player in this weekend's coming games, go to uh, that channel and you will be able to hear about every single player and their path so far in this tournament and uh, what we might expect from them in their upcoming semis game. If you're if you're just full on ready for, for tournament action and want to drown yourself in tournament content, there's more out there. Yeah, yeah, it's exciting. Um, we are, I'm so ready for the finals. I'm so ready for our Road to the Finals episode mm -hmm, mm -hmm. where we get to talk to these people. Yep. Um, and I'm so glad that Stads uh, took it on himself uh, to interview everybody, it rules. Yeah, um, and Stads is great. Um, so Matt, what are we doing today? What is today's episode? Boy, uh, I, it's it's a weird one. Uh, it's a Galactic Council poll. So y'all did this, y'all chose this, and once again, the Galactic Council is so good at doing the one I did not expect them to do. <laughs> yeah, I thought I thought we knocked it out of the park this month with like really interesting really? options. I thought it was yeah. going to be a hung jury. There was going to be no way we would get more ties. And it was just a blowout for this episode today, which is, can you even be good at Twilight Imperium? Is this can even possible? Anyone, can anyone? Can anyone be good at it? Yeah. Is there a goodness that's possible in Twilight Imperium? A hilarious question to ask in the middle of a semifinals of an international tournament. Uh, yeah. I, I will note uh, that yeah. irony is not lost on me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's why we even put this on the list yeah. as a possibility is it seems like an interesting time to talk about whether someone can even be good at this game. Yeah. Because I find every year that players tend to sort of question that around tournament time yeah um and you know real quick i just want to say before we even get into the discussion um the answer to the question is of course yes um <laughs> it isn't no that's ridiculous i want to thank our weird bears big al cappuccino <laughs> <laughs> but it, really though i yeah. mean it, it of course you can be good at it yeah. i mean we know what it looks like to be good at it right um, but maybe it would be helpful to somewhat define what that looks like and what what we mean when we talk about that because i do think there are some aspects of the conversation that are uh not as easy yeah they're they're more yeah. nebulous in, in how you define them so and perhaps some math will be necessary <gasps> in order to prove that people are good at this game i don't know how we'll do that neither of us oh, know how to i do have math. an idea <laughs> i've got a, a sheet a google sheet uh -huh. locked and loaded uh -oh, ready to just fire it right am i at gonna the do haters. a spreadsheet update in the middle of this episode that Ooh. would be cool never done that before you know what give me the spreadsheet update music right now bam throw it in there What a dream. Oh, what yeah. a song. What a thing Finally. that exists. Finally, it's canonized. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I don't even think it has any words to it, actually. No. I think it's just noise. Boy, that'd be funny to add some uh, add some words to it. Oh, my God, we like? should. It ba, should ba, be ba, so ba, basketball, gimme, gimme, gimme <laughs> the ball because I'm gonna <laughs> dunk it. What? Okay. okay. Should we do an episode now? I'm, am yeah, I stalling? Yeah, yeah. So, so, Matt, we wanted to start this discussion with 
kind of playing devil's advocate and arguing maybe why sure why no one could be good at this game like yeah. essentially going against it and right. and you know perhaps you'll play the I'll straw do it. man i'll play, I'll play the, the devil man. i am the devil yeah. here you'll and be the devil. allow me to advocate why why wouldn't it be possible what are the things why do people feel the way they feel and they say these things well okay first off you get mad after a game happens and you're like, I don't I don't think so and so. There's no skill in deserved to win. Did they deserve to win? And the person who wins doesn't always deserve to win in Twilight Imperium. So what does that mean? Where does that come from? Uh, yeah. You will hear us often refer to a thing that is common parlance in, I think, gaming communities. But uh, I, internationally, you'll hear people be like, what? Uh, we say RNG. RNG is random number generator. It's just like a dumb slang way based on computations to say randomness. It's from video games. It's from video it's, games. Yeah. The video games have random number generators to try to mimic randomness, and uh, it's yeah, it's as close as you can get. I, I can explain the term real quick, actually. Sure. So so in 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 especially old video games, um, actually I'm this might still be used. Actually, I don't think it is. Um. But uh, a random number generator is a way to try and create randomness in a game, but it's not truly random because a random number generator is generating a string of numbers mm -hmm. that are random, but the order is the same. So right. it's like it's always 8 and then 42 and then 523. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, that's, that's a random list of numbers, but that order is the same. So um, in the same way that a card deck shuffled, Right. is random, but the order of the cards is the same. Yep. So that's why it kind of felt fun to bring that into Twilight Imperium uh, parlance. And I'm sure people use RNG to describe all kinds of things. And that's it. That's just yep. the idea. That's it. So the idea is just the randomness of the cards or the dice rolls in combat, right? There's a bunch of randomness to Twilight Imperium. The argument essentially goes, you know, is this... that You have two ends of a spectrum of a game. One end is... Literally just, you're just rolling dice. It's Farkle or something. I don't even know if yeah. Farkle has strategy, but in general, just it, imagine the game is just to roll dice and guess the number. There's like very little strategy that could happen there versus chess, which is like, there's nothing random. The setup is the exact same every time. The only randomization is who goes first. I guess even that. So maybe there's a game even more perfect than chess. But chess is the classically uh, perfect example of a game with no randomness. And so everything is somewhat deterministic. You can, you can, pace out things you can build uh, right. strategies that go multiple layers deep because you know exactly what will happen after you do x y and z um, i would say even even chess is not perfect in that yeah. way though because of the human factor exactly. is in you just you don't know what the other person is going to do right um but yeah as far as the components are concerned there's no randomness on the board right when it comes to chess uh, in TI, there's both the randomness of the human factor and also the randomness of all of the components of right. which there are many right. that are random. Yeah, and some of them are even more impactful than others. Like, obviously, action cards are random, and you can get a pretty good action card, but that doesn't mean it's going to, like, make or break the game. But the biggest yeah. RNG, the biggest randomness in Twilight Imperium is your objectives, right? The thing you have to score to win the game for a lot of factions, there are bad secret objectives that are significantly harder to do and bad public objectives that are significantly harder for you to do. So you can easily look at a game and be like, well, so-and-so won because they had the three easiest secrets to score and I had the three hardest to score. So I was basically walking up 
a hill three points deep and they were already standing at the top of it. That feels like right. randomness gave right. them that win. So they didn't yeah. win because of their own luck. They won because they got better secret objectives than I did. Sure. Um, that's something, I mean, I would say there is a percentage of luck required uh, yeah. for, and it's not even so much good luck to me anymore because there's actually plenty of good things that can happen to you in Twilight Imperium. Mm. What what you don't want are bad things to happen to you. <laughs> right. That's the problem. <laughs> if, if bad things don't happen to you, then I think a good player can basically, you know, be in contention to win right. every time. But sometimes bad things happen, as in you draw useless cards yes. uh, too many times. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. You just need, well, may, maybe I shouldn't be saying bad luck then. You just need a little bit of good luck, and we're talking about a bunch of different dies being rolled all the time. Right. Action cards are one. Relics are one. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel like people get a little caught up on the RNG aspects and ignore all of the solid work the yeah. player did to get to that point. Now, I'll, I'll tell you the easiest example, and this is very relevant right now. Um, sometimes, and I'm not going to tell you what game I'm referring to, but there was a recent game that people probably watched where a player um, went from probably not winning to definitely winning off of drawing a shard out of the relic deck, and there were 10 cards left, so that's yeah. a 10% chance that that happened. So someone could, if they were a goofball... Be like, well, I don't know if that player deserved to win uh -huh. because they drew shard and that meant that they won. The thing is, that's one point. Right. So what you're ignoring is are the, the other nine points. Right. Like, and, and honestly, this situation of a player going from probably losing to definitely winning based off a of 10% is sort of what Twilight Imperium is all about. Right. It's essentially trying to create as many opportunities for the RNG. Yes help you get all the way right and a smart player it a lot of times it whenever we're in a really competitive game at the end we'll say this thing uh they're playing to their outs which yeah. is that you're in a situation the end game state is now set uh speaker order is set here are your opportunities to win find them yeah. and roll those dice right. and then if those dice come up for you then you win and that's right. basically to me what Twilight Imperium is at a high level anyways. Right. Yeah. It's the best you can hope for is to be yeah. in a strong enough position where you can then roll those final dice. I mean, this is true in poker too. Poker is a very random game, but you learn how to understand the odds so that then you know, well, listen, this could be really bad for me, but I do have this percentage chance to get an ace on the river, and then right. that will turn it into me winning lots and lots and lots of money. So... Right. It's worth it to try. And then if yeah. I fail, I fail. That doesn't make me bad. I just knew the odds or whatever. So so right. randomness in any calculation is something you can adapt to. And that's sort of the idea. So there, there's our first pushback on uh, one of the complaints. The other complaint is something we kind of just brought up. The final round turn order, final round speaker order um, can sometimes be... It's funny we just talked about randomness because now I'm going to talk about deterministic behavior. <laughs> there are situations you can end up in where it felt like you never, ever stood a chance no matter how good you were. Think about those games where you were like fourth in speaker order round one, mm -hmm. and then players one and two played politics speaker shenanigans the entire game, and you never, ever got a chance to have the speaker token, which means in round five, right. you're fifth in pick order again, you know, for the, for right. the umpteenth time, you're now fifth in pick order. You never had a chance to steal the speaker token. You never had a chance to impact that. And thus now you're not in the right scoring position to possibly win. That can feel like, 
well, it wasn't even my fault. Like, I'm a good player, but I just never even had the odds in my favor. I never had the position to be able to do anything with it. I don't agree. I actually think in that situation, there's still something you can do, mm-hmm. which would, in, in the hypothetical you're laying out there, I would tell those players, like, let's say, let's say those players asked me mid-game what they think they should do. They're like, listen, these two players are just controlling the speaker token. Well, I would say, uh, can you kill them? Like, can you get them? Like, can you destroy exactly. them? Right. In, in whatever, can you, sometimes if players choose to play a strategy that's, yeah. that is really kind of taking the whole game ransom, yeah. you have to play space risk. Right. You have to say, no, I will, I'm going to do whatever I can to hurt you. I will suspend yeah. going after public objectives. We will work together in order to accomplish this goal. Right. That is how you overcome something like that. Yeah, there is this thing I've noticed happen, and there was an, another semifinal game that I could specifically reference and will maybe reference more once the whole tournament is over. But uh, there are situations where players get into those things where it's like, I've had this turn on me before, and yeah, we all talk about you're not supposed to do a forever war, but there are scenarios where it's your only recourse. Like, yes. I, I get frustrated when people are like, well, you're, you're, you can talk yourself out of anything. And that's not always true. No. And when the other isn't. person doesn't come to the table to talk with you, then you are forced to resort to something different. So I think people that get really upset with some of the deterministic things that can happen in Twilight Imperium, be it speaker order or be it. I don't know any number of other things. There are some deterministic things. The point is, well, then if RNG, you failed to more accurately calculate the odds of putting yourself into good randomness into increasing your chances with deterministic things, you haven't considered the human element enough. You can change the deterministic behavior of your other opponents. You can do things to try to force things to come out a different way. And yeah, yeah, it's not always going to work out in the same way you're not always going to roll that 10% chance to draw shard. But I do think it is the right behavior to not just kind of go, well, this is how the game goes. The game is deterministic and I never got speaker token. So why would I even, I'm not even going to do anything. It's like, well, I mean, a good player finds a new way to get outs to to change their circumstances. Totally. Uh, I just think that whenever if two players at the table select as their as their um strategy uh it, I would say it even goes beyond like boat when we say boat floating. Sure. If two players select radical cooperation right. as their strategy, like we want to strangle this game so that only the two of us may win and no other players will have a shot then the other four players at right. that table have to also embrace right. a strategy of radical cooperation in order to neutralize this advantage. Right. And they have to do it by whatever means they can come up with. Right. And that will do, that and that's hard to talk about in a vacuum because that has to do with the relationship between the different factions, yeah. you know. Yeah, um, we t- we talk about that with uh the 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 jargon catfishing. That's when a Jolnar right. and a Hakan just choose to work together. The great players know that that relationship is possible and get ahead of it before it can even I mean, we have seen, I believe it was Invitational Game 6 or maybe it was a different game, but like the catfish was available and the draft went on for 45 minutes to an hour because the players needed to before anyone had even chosen factions, they had to negotiate the terms of what they were going to do the about the yeah. catfishing problem that hadn't even right. started yet. The right. possibility was there, which meant they needed to deal with it right away. And that's the kind of like extreme measures we're talking about about with uh, these extremely high level 
games of TI. It's like people have seen this stuff before and go, I know that I have to sway. I have to form a coalition, which means I got to start the work right now. I can't just like, well, I hope I can send my war son into them and that solves all my problems. It's like, no, 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 no. I know that I need to also, like you said, I need radical cooperation to right. change this situation. Yeah. And I would take this, this, this is something I feel like I've just been trying to champion more and more because I've noticed players a lot of the times in games and, and even, even high level players do this where they will have an opportunity to dumpster on one player in yeah. particular and they'll take it without considering that the opportunity cost of losing that player being in the game yes. means that they cannot serve as a counterbalance to some of the other players. Right. So sometimes if we're in round two and the players want to, you know, the, a bad ghost agenda comes up, an agenda that is going to destroy Ghost Sacrius and take them out of this game. Right. And I'm not Ghost Sacrius. Let's say Ghost Sacrius is just in the pack. They're not notably ahead. Yeah. They're not. They're not some player that we need to slap down. I feel like what I'm not hearing a lot is people saying things like, "Okay, yes, we could destroy the Ghost Player's game right now, but what do we lose in round five? Right. We lose a we lose the ghost potentially helping us win slay the winner whoever that's right. going to be. I don't right. know if I want to take the ghosts out of this because we might need them. Right. And they might that like them being in the game might help me reach victory. Exactly. Ne never just gut something. You, everything is a tool that you need to be able to have access to using. And there are some situations where, yeah, you just want to go ahead and wipe the floor with them because depending right. on the round, it's, it is now time to do that. But you see other situations. The, the most extreme example is the thing where you ruined someone's game in round one or two, but you left them there. You did not eliminate them. Right. And guess whose support for the throne just went to old so-and-so on the other side of the table for the 10th right. point because they didn't like being picked on all day. This is a social game. And that means it's it is always going to be beyond the deterministic mechanical value of the components on the table. Like there is a way to manipulate the people. And that's what we see more and more of is the the players who are really coming back again and again are the ones that we always accuse of mind control or things like that. Sure. The, the players that find a way to make the things happen that they need to have happen without even doing it themselves. They just get someone to do it for them or whatever. Yeah. So I feel like um, we've talked a lot about. I feel like we've we've successfully addressed like why, of course, if someone can be good. What does it just mean to be good? Right. Like what 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 do players that are good at this game like? What do they do? What right. what behaviors do they exhibit that we have noticed? Yeah. Um. I, the the most obvious thing that we could get through really quickly is just. I mean, obviously, you need to like have the whole game in your head right this is not right. the only requirement but boy does it sure help a lot to know not only just like how every component works or whatever because uh you need to be able to think creatively right the big the, the i think this conversation became a bigger deal with prophecy of kings because we all became new at the game again we all yeah, we true. all got bad at the same time because none of us knew every single one of these components like the back of our hand. So right. then suddenly we all go, well, I don't know. I didn't realize that that agent did that and could do it in this way to then impact my game this way. So then I was caught off guard. It felt like I didn't even have a chance. Well, obviously with experience comes knowing that that's a possibility and avoiding it in the future or whatever. So just from a baseline, like know every component. And even then we've seen a lot of players who don't necessarily know every single thing, but they know how to 
reliably read the card when they get it right that's the, yeah. the joke on stream always is like did you read the card after did you, you read drew the it card. did you read yeah. the whole card all of the words right. on it and then interpret those rules correctly uh this game is very interpretive you there if you go to any rules channel in any discord or reddit or whatever you will see people disagree on how certain sentences should be read like the thing earlier with jolnar or tech galactic crisis like there are things that can happen but knowing those right, even specific, matt messes yeah, stuff up. i mess this even stuff up matt all the time hunter up. never does but matt i mean <laughs> constantly i mean matt totally messes <laughs> yeah, exactly stuff up. Uh, i mean Hunter just hears Matt mess things up and then yeah. doesn't speak up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that is that's not the same as Hunter messing up. <laughs> that's Hunter allowing Matt the space to express himself. Hunter's just trying to create content by giving you all errata for next week. That's all that it is. Oh, I he love it. He sees the writing on the wall and says, "Oh, hey, that's going to be ten minutes in next week's episode. Easy, yeah, or wonderful." Exactly. I recognize that opportunity. <laughs> it's sort of like how I don't like dunking on players because I'm going to need them in round five to win, uh -huh. slay the real uh -huh. winner, so that I can win in their shadow. This is just a philosophy Hunter has in life: is how can I use everybody to make sure I live to be 120. <laughs> Yes, yes. I will. I. That's so funny that you say that because I've always said among our group of friends that I will be the last one standing. <laughs> I have always said this and I've always believed it. Uh -huh, uh -huh. I will. I will be the final boy of our group of boys. And I know that because of this philosophy that I have. So um, back to the point. Yes. Have the whole game inside your head. Obviously, that would help. But it's so critical to point out that that is not all that is required. Uh, you can watch teddy and uh, this is not throwing shade at teddy because teddy won last year's oh, but championship love to throw shade at teddy and people love to throw shade throw at teddy <laughs> because teddy very often in a game will go wait how does this thing work or but here's the thing teddy does that in the open teddy's the bravest one of the bunch because teddy will just ask the question out loud i can't tell you how many times i'm commentating a game and i get questions from one of the players in a discord dm asking me a rule you're all doing it Every, well, let's, no more yeah, shade yeah. thrown yeah, at you. Yeah. You sure. all forget You're how all a rule it. goes, and you hit us up, or you hit Milty up, or you as you go, should, as, as you, you should. should do your research. Like, go make sure you know how the thing. If you're trying to pull off some slick maneuver, make sure it works the way you think it should work. So the 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 smartest of players will uh, either look for how to make that happen, or more importantly, the the bigger point I wanted to make is there is a value in just being able to be sly and being a natural talker and getting around any of your failings in the mechanical department. You do not have to play perfectly mechanically if you don't have the social side as well. I think those are the two yeah. components is social ability and mechanical ability. Yeah. How much can you sort of like cooperate with the players and keep, you know, a lot of the times, uh, in a game, especially a high stakes game, a player can kind of lose the political battle. Yeah. In that the 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 tilt will have tilted so much towards that player that they've burnt their goodwill, and the other players will no longer help them do stuff, even if it is like the right thing right. to do, quote unquote. Right. And and you see you see this happen a lot in games where people don't understand how to respect the other player's autonomy yeah. while giving them the insight that they're having. Mm -hmm. um, that's something, you know, like, there, and there's kind of an art to it, I feel like. There are players that, like, kind of, I don't necessarily want to, I don't, I don't want to name names or cite any examples, sure. really, for this. Um, but what I'm saying is that some players know how to, like, float an idea to another player, like, hey, for the table, maybe this 
is something mm. that should happen. And then there's other players that sort of like, it's your turn, now I'm going to dictate to right. you. And I'm not necessarily objecting to this on like a ethical level, although I could. I'm not <laughs> going to though. Instead, I'm actually going to say that this is bad strategy. Yeah. Because if you keep just kind of ordering the other players around, right. it's annoying. Yeah. And eventually they will not cooperate with you anymore. Even if they do for a while, like well, eventually they will just be like, I'm just tired of listening to you, and I'm yeah. tired in well, general now. I, I think you can get even more exact than that, Hunter. You're still categorizing it as a social thing. You're annoying the other players. I think it's bad diplomacy to come in hot and start sure. telling people. Totally. Because the person who comes in with the capital P plan is the one... I mean, we all know everyone is trying to manipulate the plan in our favor. So if you come sure. in and say, you need to do exactly this, it's very easy for the other players to go, well, obviously that benefits you in some way. I don't want to just feed directly into your hand. I would like to be a part of this decision-making process. That's just good diplomacy. So the right. ones that you're talking about that are really good at this are the ones that sort of float an idea. It's inception. You have to like let the person come up with the idea totally. themselves that helps you, and you have to find weird, interesting ways to coax them into doing what you wanted them to do anyways yeah yeah i agree um yeah so we're kind of I, I feel like we're kind of talking about talking at this point sure what are some other things besides like the kind of diplomatic ways that players sort of suggest and float ideas to each other what are some other ways that that the kind of good talky players exhibit uh good philosophy yeah. and how they deal with the other players I, I think there is definitely value you can look at people like i mean big al cappuccino is the biggest proponent of this you know big Hal's whole philosophy is let's play a 55 point game let's get every single one of us to f to nine points and then one person gets the 10th point right right but that philosophy is not just a way to have a good time hey let's all feel good about how well we did today it is a philosophy of Let's, I don't want to create any enemies at this table. So I think the good talkers are the ones that get away with never having an enemy. And when you see things like, and this is, I'm horrible at this, I should note. But the, the idea that I think annoys a lot of people is like something like trading planets for secret objectives or whatever, right? Like, oh, let, mm -hmm. let's just do this kindly. And a lot of us will say, well, you could just take it. Like, just go, just go steal that planet. But you'll see very smart, good talking players be like, well, that's just only going to incur me negative meta that is in some way going to come back and bite me. No matter what right. it is, it, when you when you do something that upsets someone, they have no willingness to help you out later. It's the, the clearest example of this is X minus one meta in uh, debt meta in in trade dealings. Very often what you'll see people do is I don't do X minus one. I think it's a bad deal. Well, the whole table, the other five players, like they, X minus they one. Yeah. They do it. And so they're all going to make some money. Even if even if you don't think it's as much money as they could have made. Now guess they make what? more money than you, though. They all yeah. made money. And because you didn't want to do it, you got left out. And then guess what? Next time, when you take trade yourself, no one will do an X minus one with you because you didn't want to do it with them earlier. That's the biggest thing. I, I, yeah. For a little while, I tried to fight back against X minus one, and that's what kept happening is round two, suddenly I would be like, well, y'all did X minus one, uh, so that, do y'all want to just do an X minus one? And people would be like, no, shut up. You were mean earlier. Like, you were a butthead, and you didn't want to do the X minus one, so now none of us want to do that with you. And then I end up with, like, $5 after trade instead of the 12 that so-and-so got earlier or whatever. Like, it, it very immediately bounces back in your face. And it's those little subtle talking things of just, like, we're not talking about you always have to be floating everyone's boat, but you don't need to just be taking on unnecessary hatred 
or villainy from the other I, players. I would push back a little bit on this idea. Uh, there, there are a lot of things you covered there, but the idea of I need to make sure I'm friends with every other player at the table. I think it's just, it, I, I would describe it more like this. If I am going to create an enemy, yeah, it needs to be properly thought out. For sure. Um, and, yeah. and sometimes people lose games because they make the wrong enemy at the wrong time. We were talking about speaker control a lot yeah. of the time, like earlier. I feel like my relationship to, to getting control of the speaker has to do with making strategic enemies. Yeah. If somebody has speaker advantage on me, I consider them a possible enemy. Right. Um, and, and this is not inconsistent with what I was saying earlier, by the way. I do not like to dumpster on a player for no reason. But if I am in a particular place where, let's say, the player, my, the, my neighbor to my right has speaker and maybe it's maybe it's round uh two and i'm thinking uh they are going to try and get speaker control and i would rather have the speaker or i would rather have politics on round three yeah a good way to do that is to stop them from scoring a point to point block right. them because right. then the next time it's their turn they're going to be like oh god i need to catch up maybe i have to take imperial instead or right. just a strategy card that provides me a public objective. Right. Now, obviously, there's a lot of risk, and even the hypothetical I'm describing, because perhaps a public objective comes out for them that is super easy for them to score, and they try it anyways. But this is why, like, I think in general, if you're going to be aggressive, it needs to be kind of calculated to exactly how aggressive you want to be to them mm -hmm. in order to avoid any forever war stuff. Um, and generally, I feel like if I'm going for point blocking... They're probably going to respond with forever war rhetoric, but it doesn't mean that they're actually going to do that. So sometimes when you're aggressive towards a player, you also have to have a plan as to how to win them back. Yeah. Which is kind of difficult that's to calculate part. for. Right. Well, and that's why you see so much negotiating around uh, things like speaker tokens and why you see things said like, like I'll always get like annoyed at someone not annoyed but like I'll in the commentary I will talk about someone who's saying they're going to sell the speaker token backwards when it's obviously in their own self-interest to sell it backwards and it's like if I were in this right. game I would be chiming in and being like you absolutely should not pay anything for that because it's not what it, they are going to do it regardless or whatever and and I think those little dynamics are in every single moment in the game. I don't know. I don't know. It depends. You would need to look at their specific right. game because the, another thing that really makes someone a good player is having their whole the, in, a rough draft plan yeah. in their head uh, starting in round one exactly. of how we are getting to 10 points and what that's going to add up to look like. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that tempo thing that I feel like as we go, we just talk more and more, yeah. or at least I talk more and more about yeah, no, tempo definitely. in my commentary. Uh and I feel like it, a good player is somebody that understands what their needs are going to be in yeah. round four and round five. Um, and so therefore you, you kind of, that has to be like your goal is to like, make sure that I want to be in contention for 10 points on round four or round five. Yeah. And then hopefully I get there. Hopefully you know, I get there. You can never yeah. really, you can never really lock it up completely, but hopefully I get there. And you do that by playing two ten, but also playing like, defensively and thinking yeah. about how you're going to engineer that and there there's the speaker token there's wind slay there's all those things to keep in mind at once right. do we want to before we get further into this discussion take a quick break yeah I, th I think we take a quick break and then what we come back to is the conversation about 
how we actually become good at all these things and like what what is sort of the pathway to getting it we've sort of defined what it is to be good but uh let's take a break and then we will talk about how we do this Welcome back. Hello. What a what a wonderful little ad break you got to enjoy there. Did you did you get a drink of water? Okay. Let's go do this thing now. Uh, this is such a funny vibe of an episode to me right now. This to, to me this feels this feels like the most podcasty podcast episode we've ever done. Where it's just like we're just two people on these microphones, like like hashing this stuff out. Doesn't it feel like that? This feels like the most conversational. Isn't that like what every episode feels like? I don't know. This feels no? more. I it wonder if that energy translates to the audience i just feel this energy of just like hey let's hash this little thing out let's this is an open forum i don't know man i don't know okay sorry <laughs> you're so weird you're just i don't even i don't i don't know i had to, to call attention to, that, to it i had to call attention to it uh okay well, wait so we just got back from our break yeah, and you're yeah. like all right my 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 open what's up into the second half of the episode is like isn't this like a podcast right isn't now? This like a, isn't this, this kind like of seems podcasty? like a podcast? Isn't this right like the now? podcastiest podcast you've hey, ever I'm Matt, listened to? Hey, I'm Matt, and uh, I'm the host of this podcast. Hey, and I how's just wanted it going? to say, uh, kind of feels like a podcast in here right feels now. Feels like we're podcasting. Now that's yeah, podcast. Interesting. Yeah. Um, I agree and concur. Mm-hmm. Does seem as to be a should. podcast. As yeah. far as I can tell, it is a, in fact a podcast. Yeah. Uh, so how do we get? How do we become good at Twilight Imperium? What are the things? to focus on and maybe not focus on. We've defined a social aspect. We've defined a mechanical aspect that are both critically important, but there's like a pretty direct way. And I think Hunter was kind of getting getting into it at, before we left, which is saying like, why do we talk about tempo so much? And uh, I, I think further elaborating on tempo is going to be critical to this. But the first thing I want to stress to all of this, and this is not going to be helpful for everyone, but it's helpful to people like me with brains like mine. So I want to stress to you that getting good does not necessarily reflect in your win rate. And in fact, I would encourage you to not keep track of your win rate. Um, now, mm. there are there are going to be people with very speed-runny uh, brains that are very good about their own types of goals and uh, striving to achieve goals. And right. I am not one of those people. So I'm, this is the perspective. Matt I'm does not strive from. to achieve goals. I, I, strive, just <laughs> I strive to achieve nothing. Uh, <laughs> so I, I do not, I don't find it healthy to keep track of my win rate because then yeah, yeah. every chalk on the lose column is some sort of, in, we talked, this is what we were saying at the beginning of this episode. It's a failure. And right. I don't, and then I never see the successes as successes. I see the successes as flukes. It's really easy for Twilight Imperium to feel like that. For for the wins to not really feel like deserved wins. Did I deserve that win? And then the losses to be like, well, yeah, I deserved that. I got what was coming to me because I'm not good enough to win. Like that happens to me all the time. Right. And right. I have to, people tell me this all the time. So I have to re- relay it to you. Like if you see the pathway to 10 and that it was possible, that was a great, well-played game of Twilight Imperium you had. And you have to remind yourself that. So getting good, part of it is a mentality of don't need every single game to be a win. That is yeah. not going to do... Because you're going to get tilted. That's what happens to me. That's This is actual strategic advice at a certain point because what happens is once one thing starts to go bad for me in a game, I go, well, here we go. Another one in the can that's going to be awful versus mm-hmm. 
actually properly fighting for the win and maybe getting it. Uh, right. Whereas if I just give up because I'm mad and getting tilted, then yeah, I'm not going to play well. So I think people have to get out of that mentality at least a little bit. I have seen a few well, people, some people do. suffer. I exactly. mean, the, there are plenty of people who are very good at challenging themselves in this way, and and it works really well for them. And so, the, uh, if you it also helps make you feel good about yourself, sure, because it's like it, it helps with self esteem to right. keep track of a. If, of a high win rate right if you if you know how you feel about this you know if this advice is helpful but i i think it needs to be said for those people so i anyway. just want to throw this out there i like to keep track of my win rate really just based uh fa on a faction by faction basis mm -hmm. and and honestly i only really keep track of my win rate with factions that i like yeah i don't really keep track of my win rate for like muat or right. something like that you know what <laughs> i mean don't it, care. It, it doesn't yeah. really matter to me mm -hmm. how well i do with that but it is fun keep track of especially if it's a if it's a faction i like and it's a faction that i'm doing well with it's yeah it just feels good right. to, to to remember those things but let's let's um, let's also ask the question because it was in pre-errata what is actually a good win rate <laughs> in twilight imperium because i think it's easy 100%. to forget a hundred you're not good unless you win every win rate. time <laughs> i mean yeah 100 percent's good everything else bad <laughs> If you don't have a hundred percent win rate, yeah. you are bad at the game. And yeah, I'll flip you this on its head. If, if I've ever seen you say that I've won ninety percent of my things, I'm not even listening to you anymore. That's oh, that's wow. a little bit my vibe. Is I why can't, do you say that? Because I can't. The, okay, so the statistics we're talking about here is at a at a playing with five other people a six player game you have a one sixth chance to win if if we assume every single player was amazing a, f a champion level player then all six of you should have a shot at the win which means you all win one sixth of the time right so sure. you don't have that high of a chance that you have like a 16 whatever percent chance to win the game uh and for people to suggest that they have a win rate that is quadruple or more than that uh, is just something that I'm like, well, I don't know. I always, and maybe this is not great, but like, I always immediately question like, well, who are you playing with all of the time? Like who, what, what's your, why are you winning all the time with, is it the same exact group? And it's, it's a hard number for me to take seriously. I think. I don't care. Like yeah. if you tell me you're good at the game, I'm just going to believe it. Yeah. I'm just going to be like, all right, I guess you're really good. And then the, then, but I, that doesn't mean that if somebody tells me they have a 90% win rate with Isarl or whatever, that I'm going to think, well, everything they say about us, like, I could still disagree with you yeah. about whatever. Right. Um, I, if you tell me what your win rate is, I don't care. I, yeah. I don't like, and I find it frankly believable. Cause here's the thing too. Like you said, you don't know all this information, but also there's no point in really assuming anything about that either. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. I'll take what you're saying as the truth. Sure. But I'm not going to assume that that means you've played 100 games. Yeah. I'm not going to assume that means you've played with the same, you know, with your little brother. <laughs> and it's just the two of you every time. <laughs> so it's a 50% shot every time your little brother doesn't know any of the rules. Uh -huh. I'm not going to assume that. I'm just going to, whatever. I'm just going to take it as what I think you want me to take away from it. Yeah. Which is you saying yourself that you are good at something. Sure. Fine. Sure. That's okay. Good for you. You did it then. You did. You, you were did good it. at the thing you like. How? Hey, how nice. I mean, I you know, I think everybody should feel good about themselves when it comes to you know something as silly and goofy <laughs> as TI. Like yeah. it's not. It's not the same as being like you know I am 
they're not coming in saying like I am an Olympian at yeah. you know I, I can run a, a five minute mile or whatever whatever yeah, the really fast good. mile time. <laughs> it's like yeah, th this is fine. You th there is no if you're very good at Twilight Imperium, there's no real like what are you gonna get out of that really? Yeah. I mean yeah, <laughs> shouldn't you, you just move on? <laughs> you barely you barely get my praise. <laughs> yeah, you like, barely get Matt's praise. Yeah. I mean he's out here thinking you actually suck. <laughs> He's out here actually <laughs> pretending, making up reasons the that you are way, somehow a liar, Pants. The only way to make myself and, feel better. <laughs> <laughs> it's the only thing that we works. We need to set a new pa new Patreon goal. Uh -huh. If we get to 8,000, Matt goes to therapy. Yeah. That's mm. going to be our new goal. We're getting up there. Let's call We're it 10. Do it. <laughs> Let's call it 10. Yeah, therapy's expensive. We need to get Matt in there, uh, and we will work through some of these There was a these point. There was a point in this show where I said Twilight Imperium is a form of therapy and boy what a what a stupid i can't idiot. believe what you ever said that did you say let's that really light that version of matt on fire Wait, you think you said when did you say that like or like in the first like handful of episodes i'm sure wow. i'm certain i said it anyways let's wow. get back into this episode okay how oh, do we sure, actually sure, get sure. what are the things that we want to do um one thing that i think is a mark of a great uh player and is the thing to start like mathing out is learning how to calculate expectations. So this is kind of what we're talking sure. about. Some of it's like dealing with RNG, you know, just like know what how a combat could go, right? What are my combat odds? Like it's it just just knowing sort of the standard expected hit rates. That's something Hunter brings up all the time in an upcoming combat or whatever. It's like, well, how many hits do you expect to get? How much HP do you need? Like you need to know those things, obviously. But I think the expectations also come to a tempo standpoint of when could this game possibly end this is why you see commentators do it all the time but especially players will talk about like when like what sort of end of this game are we looking at so that we know what to avoid is can this right. game end in round four who took imperial who got bonus points like who's done what when and what does that mean for where we could see the end mark so that we know how to avoid that end mark if someone's reaching for the finish line we need to know that um it's very easy to turn twilight imperium into a game of very little surprises um, you can not know someone has a secret objective uh, that they can score, but you know they have a secret objective and you can assume that they can score it and you can keep an eye on their behavior and try to make sure maybe they don't score it or you have a plan for if they do or whatever. So I think but Matt, what if they tell me they can't score it? Should oh, you I should just always believe, that believe them. Yes. You should always, always believe that. Huh? Always forever believe them. Yeah. Yeah, there are a lot of things Matt just covered there. Um I so when it comes to calculating expectations, uh yeah, combat is I think an important thing to calculate expectations. And I have a lot of shorthand stuff that I do that only really makes sense to me. I wouldn't necessarily say is like super smart or, or, but like, I think of it like this. If, if I have a, a let's say I have a lone dreadnought, it, dreadnoughts are the easiest to do it with, right? The, a dreadnought has a 60% chance of, of getting a hit yeah. every time you roll it. Um, I, I don't really think of it that way though. Right. Uh, if a dreadnought is by itself, I consider it a 50-50. Yeah. I don't know why, but I lower it down to 50-50. Sure. Because I think that if it misses, then nothing happens. Yeah. You know what I mean? So that, for some reason, I'm going to take away 10% with that. If the dreadnought is accompanied by, like, fighters or, like, a carrier and, like, a couple fighters, then I consider it, like, probably getting one hit. Right. Dreadnought with company, probably one hit. Yeah. I always think of it like that. Uh. If it's two dreadnoughts with company, then okay, that's probably two hits. Right. Because the way I figure it is like this. We've got a 60% chance to hit. If we don't hit, we're still rolling some nines. Yeah. And one of those might hit. But what I wouldn't do is have two dreadnoughts with company and think I'm expected three hits because yeah. you're not. 
right. you're not getting three hits. Right. So it's kind of like the 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 fighters, the carriers, they're rolling crappy dice, but th that crappy dice might hit every once in a while, mm -hmm. and then that replaces a dreadnought missing or something like that. Right. So that's kind of how I simulate the combats in my head. Uh, and then there's also like if you know, let's say I'm going to be rolling a bunch of dice on nines, I tend to think of that, and this is not scientific at all, but I always think of it as I need to roll at least six dice yeah. to maybe get a hit. Right. And that's not, because what, a nine is a 20% chance to hit. Uh, and so technically I should be saying Within five, five right? rolls, you should get one hit is well, and see, the expected value. And, and I think the reason I'm saying six is because in my head it's like, yeah, but it's really bad. Yeah. So let's throw in one more. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, to, well, for whatever our odds are, because the odds are so bad, let's throw in one more, and then I bet out of six dice, I will get one hit. Right. Well, and within that, too, the other thing you're sort of talking about is what? how many hits do you expect to get, which also translates to how many rounds of combat do I need to be able to survive exactly. to finally start scoring some of those hits. That's, That's why you see, like, big fighter swarms are generally pretty good uh, ways to increase your way to win because... If you've got that one dread that's maybe going to hit about every other time, but you can last six rounds of combat, then you're going to get a decent amount of hits. And you just need to be able to that, that's why HP tends to win over everything, uh, because there's a lot of things that don't get very many expected hits in Twilight Imperium combat. This is different in different games. You know, Hunter and I have been playing some arcs and we were playing Oath a lot before. And those combat systems are vastly different in what you can expect from a single combat or campaign or whatever. So knowing yeah. Twilight Imperium's like odds to win and even just knowing the baseline of in a ground combat, one infantry versus one infantry, oh sure, they're rolling the same dice, but one of them doesn't need to live <laughs> is the right. thing, right? That's that's like a hard thing to remember I think early on for people in TI is like what you need the, the expectations that you need to calculate as the aggressor is you need to have surviving units after the combat is said and done. Your opponent does not. So that changes all of the equations into their favor on the planet side. So right. it's a lot of things like that. You have to know how to calculate those things. And that sounds obvious but it goes deeper than just like knowing the statistics of everything. Yeah. I uh, I also feel like so we we've had this thing for a long time of of players just simply claiming that they cannot score um, their secrets and and we also have a lot of players showing secrets. Mm. I feel like I want to see more people just Hollywooding that they can score yeah. multiple different secrets at once. Right. Last game I won, I pretended in my head. That I, I don't even remember what my actual secret was, which is hilarious. I can't. Oh my god, I can't. I can't remember <laughs> what the actual secret you, was you, that I won. You with. told yourself a different story long enough that it became the true story. Yeah. Oh my god, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. Well, uh, okay. Well, I'll tell you what I Hollywooded. I pretended that I had both. I I, I behaved as if I had both um, unveil flagship and the anti fighter barrage uh, secret objective. Yeah. Um, and I do not remember which one I actually had. I wish I could, That's um, but I don't. Uh, and because of that, it made the players do look at my game state yeah. and think, wow, I don't know if he's going to be able to pull that off because I was in a bad position right. to do those. Right. But I was acting and doing things as if, oh, well, 
uh oh i gotta find a way to get some mm -hmm. like i gotta get i gotta get this destroyer thing figured out i even made an attempt that was bad yeah and then was like blast yeah it didn't um, work <laughs> oh i remember what it was uh the the action phase secret that i was ending on that i drew from the very beginning and also i'm back on the page of like y'all gotta save your action phase secrets because <laughs> otherwise if you don't if, if you don't save them till the end then everybody knows what your game is and yeah. that's what you don't want you don't want people to know everything about your game sure you want it to be ambiguous yeah uh, so if you don't save the action phasers then what are you doing and i realize sometimes you will lose because you saved the action phase to the end but i think personally you will win more games than you will lose yeah. by saving your action phases for the final point anyways uh, it was betray a friend ah. um and so it, i just you tried combats on non-friends a few times so when people aren't yep. looking at promissory notes and then when yep. it when it counts oh time to attack the person with yep. the promissory and, note and, and it was it it looked like it was like my you know it looked like i had done many things that round trying yeah. to desperately set up to score this final point but just couldn't was just coming up shy yeah. when in fact i always had it all along that's so. what is in poker known as a bluff uh yeah and to keep this training i mean the the poker mentality i think poker continues to be like the most relatable other game to twilight imperium um it doesn't have the diplomacy maybe although maybe it kind of does but like i mean our very first champion we ever had was nine of spades and nine of spades name is such because they were a former poker player former like professional poker player and those skills transfer because the thing with poker is it you're not playing like you got to play the hand you're dealt but you also right. aren't even playing the hand you're playing the board you're playing right. the other players. Like, there's so much more to it in poker than just like, well, I got seven deuce offsuit. Like, that's not going to do anything for me. Well, that's obviously I don't know a horrible that That's fine. But, like, you'll see a lot of the most famous poker players in the world tell you that their favorite hand is something like jack nine or whatever. Like, it'll be these little, it's like, well, shouldn't your favorite hand be two aces or like an ace and a king that are both the same suit? Like, isn't that the best hand? It's like, yeah, but those are predictable things. My favorite right. hands are the ones that come up out of nowhere and still reliably get hits and do things. That's why nine, right. nine of spades' name is such because the nine of spades is his favorite card. Because it's because the nine just works its way into all of these beautiful hands and situations. It's in the middle, it's yeah. in the middle and it does it does surprising good things. And that's what you're trying to do in Twilight Imperium. You're trying to you don't sure it would be great to have the game where everything gets dealt to you perfectly and you win yeah. action phase round four. Sure. Right, that's sure. a royal flush in Twilight yeah. Imperium. But most games. You're getting less than that, and you have to work with what you have to find your way to the river and bluff the person off so that you win the money even though you weren't going to win the hand. Right. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And I think part of that is recognizing when you've been dealt a good card uh -huh. and when you've been dealt a bad card. And when it comes to our bad cards... We want to work hard and immediately yes. to get them figured out. Either right. we want to replace them right. or we want to try our dangdest to make them happen right away. Yeah. We would like to get to round five and only have easy things to do. Right. That's the ideal situation. Easy. A lot of times it's not even going to be possible. Easy but still unpredictable, right? Obfuscated easy things. That's the best situation you can be. Because if, if it's an easy route to win, but everyone knows exactly what it is then all mm -hmm. they have to do is like focus on the one or two things that would stop you versus a perfectly obfuscated but still easy win is like the most locked up you can possibly be it's just important 
to remember that the players can see you and they can see what you're doing. So you need to, I'm telling you, uh, I don't mean to break it down that simply. There's an old, there's an old uh, sketch. I, I won't name the group because I have no idea what their whole vibe is these days, but it was an old YouTube sketch and it's a guy who runs up and just slaps someone across the face and the person looks up and goes, why did you do that? And the guy just goes, wait, you can see me? And then runs away. <laughs> Twilight Imperium is that sketch. <laughs> right. Yeah, so just, just make sure you're, you're aware that people can see you. And, uh, you know, ob obfuscation is... It's, it's hard to bluff because you generally have to be doing really good economically yeah. in order to have the extra capacity to bluff, mm -hmm. which is why in the early game, you have to make sure that your economy is good. Right. Um, I think that... You know, generally, it's bad to not score round one. Right. Right? I think we all agree with that. Yeah. However, I feel like if you're going to have a bad economy in round five, that's worse. Yeah. So, yeah. like, it, 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 it really has, like, it really goes to show that, like, balancing out that, deciding mm -hmm. whether it's, like, round one score... Or, or having a good economy in round five. If I have to choose, I'm choosing yeah. good economy in round five. I will sacrifice any potential at a round four win right. in oh, order to sure. make sure that I will have a solid shot because in round five. you can always catch up with Imperial, and yep. you can always lead a Winslay coalition to slow other people down that are too far exactly. ahead. There are always other... But, but if you don't have enough gas in the tank in round five, that's just it. That is actually too late to be able to do anything. Yeah. Um, all of this, I think, relates to, you know, we're talking about knowing how to calculate your own expectations. What we're talking about is knowing how to manage the expectations of your other opponents and learning what their expectations might be. That's why, as you're first learning the game, you definitely have to primarily focus on learning what the expectations are of yourself. And then once you've, like, mastered those, that's when you start learning how to play other opponents. And this goes from a theoretical vacuum sort of expectations oh we expect this card to get taken in this round to lead to you know the speaker order mattering in round five like those mm -hmm. are global expectations but learning to manage the expectations of specific players uh in in the moment even someone you've never played with before is the sign of like true mastery uh i i i'm gonna try to find it here but the the pin uh the thing i wanted to pin in our pre errata was someone brought up the idea, and this kind of relates to the X minus one thing, but the idea that like you can play in a game and you've never played against Kraken before, and Kraken brings this crazy casino to the game, and right. you can choose to just like, oh, I think that's stupid and that's not how I play, or you can know how to manipulate that casino, and you can know how to use it to your own advantage. You can use Kraken's expectations against him for your own benefit, and Kraken's drawing all the attention while you reap all of the rewards or whatever. I just gotta jump in here real quick and defend my man, oh, Frank of course. G, Kraken real dessert. quick. Oh, Frank G? It, yeah, because um, there was a bit of a subtle call out there oh, in that I did comment. Not, not I, sure if you got it. I didn't mean um, it. it if that you did genuinely not get wasn't it at home, it's fine. I'm just, I got my man's back, and I want to say... If you do come into a game and Kraken is running a casino that you don't want to participate uh -huh. in, then don't. You might lose a game of Twilight Imperium, but hey, you win the you're day. You're an adult. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, very good. 
Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, I, I, I think there is value in learning how to... I mean, what you see in the qualifiers and prelims of our tournament is this thing where, you know, the, the earliest rounds, these qualifiers, there's a lot of unknown var- variables. There's the least number of players that we know about. And I don't even mean like, oh, we have Mantis who's in his whatever tournament. I just even mean... By the semis, you can look at players and go, well, we have your game recorded. I can go watch you play before our game starts, and then I'll know you a little bit better. The qualifiers, very rarely do you know anybody you're playing against. And the players that are very good and reliably advance are the ones that can adapt to anyone else's play style at any moment. They can just play the game the way you want to play it. We talk about the Deft Piper on the show all the time because the Deft Piper... uh, can play in the Euro Morning Gang, who are these cutthroat, nasty players who will take a home system, and Def Piper is, like, a high-ranking official amongst them. Like, she is not afraid to take a home system in round one or whatever. But then, Def Piper is also one of these players who can play with all of the talky Americans that is negotiating every single possible thing. They never do anything without checking on it, and Deft also succeeds in those metas she, right. she doesn't need the meta to adhere to her playstyle. she will adapt to whatever that individual game has determined is the right way to play today yeah um so i feel like we've kind of covered this in a general way pretty well at this point i want to get specific mm-hmm. so i have my stats page pulled up oh, and God. i will never tell everyone what my stats are what stats i collect yeah um i'll guarantee you it's deeper than you think it is mm-hmm. okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. i got i got all this stuff on tape i'll just for the I things mean, i don't if you are in the tournament it means i have your records so we know yeah. more about you than you know about yourself yeah and i'll say that the tournament uh is it's not players playing in the same group they're playing against random groups of players yep um they're matched up just against them by no they, they have no say in it right they're just matched up in this group and then they play, um, and we have, I would say that the tournament is pretty much proof that you can be good at it <laughs> because we have so many players that repeatedly win. Yeah. Um, at this point, by the end of this tournament, we're going to have over 50 players uh, that have more than one win on yeah. record, Right. which is insane. We'll have a lot of players that have more than two wins yeah. on record right uh it's, and that's it's quite and that's a across lot. the pok shift too like that's that's players that adapted to the new stuff that pok yeah. brought about too these are players yeah. that are reliably good no matter what this game throws at them yeah it, it's so it's so settled whether someone can be good at this game that matt and you can vouch for this i predicted yeah. and i won't say which i've already predicted one of the players that won yeah. in their semifinals game. I already predicted it. Right. That's how much you can look at, at 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 play and be like, "This is good. This will probably work again." Right. Essentially, right. this style. It doesn't even have to be just based on their record. It's it's a pl- yeah. it's players we don't necessarily know. They're new to us this year, but you can watch them and be just like, "They've got it. They they know what they need they to know do at every moment." What they're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Matt. I hmm. want to play a fun game. Okay. Um, I never want to really uh, get too deep into my stats page, but because we're this is the closest we've come to doing an episode that has to do with this very subject, Matt, name any player that you think is good 
Yeah. And I will, using some of the data I have, not all of it, show you what that looks like. Yeah. I want to do a uh, green flame because I feel all like right. every year the tournament comes up and I go, oh yeah, green flame. Like, cause they're not, I think they're big in their local community, but they do not play just like where I see them all the time. But then every sure. time they show sure. up, it's just like green flames a person. Whoa, here they are. So green flame, uh, obviously w played in uh, tournament one. Uh, and won their prelims game and then went on to the uh, semifinals where they did not advance. However, um, they did nearly win in the knockout round. They had eight points. They lost to Janor that mm -hmm. went on to the finals. Um, in tournament two, Green Flame lost to Axel, uh, scoring seven points. Um, and it looks like that was kind of an early end because some of the other players have like a lower point total. Yeah. I would say Green Flame was probably somewhat in the running there. In Tournament 3, Green Flame uh, played against Patience um, and lost to Patience uh, in Game 4 in Tournament 3 um, with uh, 7 points. And it's notable that every player except for Patience had 7 points. <laughs> um, so perfectly in the running, yeah. So perfectly in the running there. Uh, in the Invitational, Green Flame made it to the finals. Yeah. Uh, so they won their, their preliminary game. Uh, and then got to the finals where they had eight points and lost to Death Piper. And I don't know if you remember that game, but it was one where they all windslayed Death Piper. <laughs> and then no one could figure out how to win themselves. And yeah. then they just went to another round where Death Piper won or it may have even been at the end of that round. Uh, yeah, I forget when, and but, then, but they still just won anyways. Yeah, I, I, I remember too. It's funny you bring up Axel too, because Axel's another player that I think we haven't seen like a tournament win out of. But I always talk about like, yeah, but they get to like nine points every single time that right. they play in this stinking tournament. So right there. And, and I think that's a thing that is sort of getting at what we were talking about earlier is like the actual number of wins. Most people do not play this game often enough for a mm -hmm. sheer number of wins to have any level of meaning to me ever right it's just you you couldn't I, we don't have enough wins in our tournament for us to know things about the game in a, like any sort of objective way right uh, but you can look at point totals and even those can be misleading right someone can someone can be at six points and actually or uh, the best example actually would be someone can be at seven points and actually have been about to win, right? You can be right. seven points, second in scoring order, and lose to someone, and everyone else is at eight and nine, but you were the only other person who had a chance to win, even though you were at seven points. That's but, why I have a lot of other stats. Like, <laughs> all these other numbers uh, that matter. Page. But the point being uh, that your point total still can at least tell you something about how close you were in, in the odds. Yeah, I, it's being able to track things too of like marking if they were going to get to 10, like sure. if, yeah, we, yeah. if we had all of that and we, we spelled that out, I, I would be, love to see how many players it's just like in 90% of games, they could have scored 10 if we let everybody score in the final status phase or whatever, right. that kind of right. thing. Yeah, that, that, that would be interesting if we had that, huh? Um, <laughs> so tournament four, uh, also, I just want to say uh, green flame participated in tournament four as well. In game 19, lost to Bananual Kant, mm -hmm. um, uh, which is uh, one of the best Discord usernames uh, I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> and Green Flame in that uh, scored nine points. Yeah. So what I just read to you is a tournament player that's been playing for four years. Right. And in every game, sounds like they had a shot to win. Right. Like that 
is what I would call a good player. Now I just put Green Flame on Blast, and he will lose, certainly, his next tournament game in Tournament 5. Sorry about the loss already, bud. Hate to dumpster you like that. But that's, what I, that's just what I'm saying. It's like, yeah. we see these people, even if they don't win every year, we yeah. see these people come back and play at a high level right. and like never end up in the dumpster. Right. We've got so many players that fit that description. Yeah. That of I'll, course, of course you can be good at TI. Right. I'll I'll read Stads' pre-errata here that I think has some value to it. Because we, we didn't we we recently talked about this in the guide to slang, but there's Hunter mentioned it here, the theory of a doomed player. The doomed player is someone who literally cannot win anymore. They there there are too many people with paths to winning, and they just have no viable way to score pretty much any objectives to where they're they just are not going to win the game it's not going to happen for them uh and this is i would say this is actually somewhat of a a rarity uh at least in in tournament play but stad says your chances of not being a doomed player are 80 percent skill and 20 percent luck you need like we said at the very top you need some things to not go tragically awful for you you need to draw decent enough secrets and then you got to know how to deal with everything you get dealt right so that's mostly skill and don't just get the worst thing ever to happen to you don't get ixthian artifacted when you otherwise were doing great right right then i mean yeah then winning from among the remaining non-doomed players which i would say generally speaking there's one or two doomed players in round five on average like there's usually not very many if there's any at all uh, right but to win from among the non-doomed players stad says probably 70 percent luck 30 percent skill it becomes a completely different equation and so your your mark of a good player is just someone who rarely dooms themselves right I will say this though, that skill, I I don't know. I don't I'm gonna push back on stats sure. a little bit. Because I I I find that maybe breaking it down in this way is a little bit deceiving. Mm-hmm. Because what your goal should be, and we sort of said this at the beginning of the episode, and I just want to reiterate it here. Your goal should be for you to get to the whatever the final round of the game is gonna be, round four, round five, or God forbid round six. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Semi's game two. How dare you people? <laughs> you get to that round. And then you say, mathematically, I could get to 10. Mm -hmm. I might not be first in line, but mathematically, I could get to 10. Now, how do I roll as many dice and flip as many coins and draw as many cards that might carry me to that point? Right. And the the more coins you can flip, the better. Because, and, and, and that's why I say I don't like breaking it down as just one 100%. For because sure. a lot of the times, the skill is, is what it's doing is creating more opportunities for that coin flip yep. to go your way. Right. You know what I mean? That's right. what it, I feel like that's what it looks like when a skilled player gets to that final round. Yeah. Is that they have either already, it's too late and the door's already closed and I am going to win and it's done. Yeah, uh, which is that's that's one type of victory, and the other type of victory is the um, okay. I've got this. I can try. Oh, that didn't work. Okay, I've yeah. got this. I can try. Oh, that didn't work. Oh, right. I got this. I can try. Third tries the charm, and I got it, yes. and I'm gonna win the game now. Exactly. Like, Setting I up more like opportunities is a yeah. skill in itself. I'll I'll give uh, my last call out of this episode because we we have a player in our community that we very often rag on in uh, tournament games and in commentary, and what's hilarious is that they have a track record amongst multiple games that we've covered. I'm talking about the humble checkmate, 
Uh-oh. is a player who has succeeded in our root tournaments and our Twilight Imperium tournaments. And when I think of Humble Checkmate, I think of them as a quite good player. Maybe not like I, I do not when I think of Humble oh. hang on, no, 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 just interesting. I don't think of Humble Checkmate as the most mechanically expert player they'll they'll ask me rules questions during the game the little things like that where it's just like you don't have every single thing nailed down but i have never seen a player that wants it more than humble checkmate and that's what gives humble checkmate an extremely good track record amongst multiple different games is they fight for the wins until the last second they they come up with as many possible chances for that coin flip to go their way they're creative enough to find opportunities reliably right i think we can watch him and always be like what is he doing he's up to the craziest stuff it seems like he's losing his mind and it's because he's just turning over every stone he possibly can and seeing if there's a win under there and it comes up humble uh really really often (laughs) Wow. Um, Well, there you have it, folks. Matt literally trying to blow up Humble's spot like several days before his semifinal game on Saturday. (laughs) Easily the most brutal thing I think I've ever heard Matt do. I want to apologize to Humble and everyone. uh, I want to apologize to Humble's family. Um, That was uh, super messed up, and uh, I will not be party to it. Um, so well, you don't I have don't to commentate the game, that. so it's going to be something I'm yep. doing all day that day, anyways. They were going to yep. hear it one way or the other. Matt, are you in game four? Is Do that you, what it is? Are you are playing you trying in game to suggest, four? Hunter, that the other players in game four don't know who Humble Checkmate is? Is this I'm our not is this our that. implication? I'm not saying that. Uh-huh. I just it sounds think like it's that's funny. what you're saying. Listen, I like it. I, I, we like talking about um, players in our tournament here because you know it's it. That's the reason we do the tournament, right? Is to sort of have this baseline to talk about some sort of common yeah. understanding of what high level play looks like. But I'm mad. I've never, I've never heard you get so close to talking about somebody when they're like, right. I mean, you're like, he's literally about to play. I he's bet like you getting ready to play. I bet and you're I like, can Whoa, watch out for old... humble checkmate. Everybody. <laughs> oh you got to watch out for this guy. He wants it bad. You got to win slay him in round three, right? I Come on, everybody get him. I guarantee there's a road to the finals episode in the past where you predicted a winner <laughs> before the finals game happened. I guarantee. No. Yes. No way. I'll go no listen way. to I'm him. I'm a classy I'll guy. I would I'm going to put that. the clip in this year's road to the finals of you being oh, yeah, like, good. y'all got to watch out for this Teddy guy. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I, I would, I would never do that to anybody. I would do that privately. Sure, uh-huh. I might say to you, uh-huh. you know, uh-uh. blah, blah, blah. I think this, this is my, because it's always fun to bet. You know what I mean? Sure. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would never do what you did. That was just savage, man. That was savage. I don't know where that comes from. I'm not gonna have it. All right. <laughs> I want to thank our weird bears: Big Al Cappuccino, Anvilier, Squeamish, Emu, Brassbird, Brian, Kalu, and Dark Jutsu, Goonduck, Carnal, Totally Calculating Poet, Kindred Spirit, Alice, Lord Raddington, Bagels, Emlashevsky, Sunfax, Absol, Ricky M44, Rwise, Fancy Zeeling, Wecker, and Holio de Penguin. And I want to thank Mama's Lovely Larva. My son is also named Bork. Tautology is what it is. Frank G, Rekka, Jadim Jedi, Graxer, Uncle Batty, and Teddy's Jam for you. All right, Matt, you got a homebrew guild game starting today. It's, oh, it's going, basically, probably. It's for happening. most people listening to the show, uh, we're calling it 9 or 10-ish a.m., uh, 10 a.m. Eastern time, that is, uh, roughly when we'll be starting. It will be the homebrew game with a ninth strategy card that reveals some public objectives. Uh, so ideally, it feels like a normal game 
of Twilight Imperium, but maybe sped up a little bit. We throw out our assumptions of exactly what a 10-point tempo is, and we maybe speed that up because there's going to be more stage twos faster. That's kind of my goal. What, what if the game could very easily end in round three? What I'm really looking for, and we're not going to do it tomorrow, but I want to speed it up so much that then 14 points becomes more viable, but we see a bunch of stage twos. That's what I really, my real goal in all of this is I don't like that you basically never see any stage twos, and I would like to see a lot more of them and to do that in a way that makes sense with like the amount of rounds that is actually fun to play, which is like five or six, I think fourteen points will become a thing if I can make if I can make this work. That's what that's well, wait. what that's what my homebrewers guild is for. Well, wait, you want to make okay? Well, wait, let me get this straight. You want to make a strategy card that speeds the game up, but also turn it into a fourteen point game at the same time? No, no, no. yes, I want it to speed the game up, and if you speed the 10-point game up too much, it becomes ridiculous. If, if people can reliably win in round three, like, the game's too fast. It's just, like, you don't get interesting tech, you don't get cool stuff. I want stage twos to be scored, but I want 14 points to not take 10,000 years. Okay, so you're trying to speed up the 14-point. Okay, I want 14-point games to end in round five. Okay. That's what I'm after. So a 14-point game at the length of a 10-point game. Exactly. Basically. That's what I'm after. That's the goal of Matt's Homebrewers Guild. A little weird, but all right. I, <laughs> I get it. We've, I, I just don't understand why what, we've got 10 point. It's like you're saying, like, I want a 14-point game to be more like a 10-point game. I want to like, shake up. Matt, I just want to make yeah, sure you're aware. Yeah. We have something called the 10-point game. Sure. I want to shake up the tempo. I want to shake up the tempo. I think, think two-pointers are more dynamic and less predictable, and I want to see them take uh, more of a precedence in uh, how people score things. I get a little scared, though, that two-pointers are too hard. Like That's probably of, true, and this yeah. might be all uh, this all might be for naught, and that's fine. That's why it's a little goofy homebrewer home thing. It may, it may yeah. just be a thing that's not worth pursuing, and something else is needed. The other thing I've thought of that I want to do for maybe the next, the next Homebrewers Guild, if we are kind of thinking ahead, I want to sort of find a way to somewhat reintroduce artifacts which were the ti3 component oh, right. that was like yeah, yeah, yeah. points on the board i want more of those i want to come up with a goofier significantly more homebrew thing but it's like let's add some more points to exploration like i want I want more points in relics and exploration cards that are like little quests or little things but like add to things we do on the on the board itself and add some aggression into the game that's that's another bring idea. monuments back and yeah. like change them or something yeah, i don't know if clark knob would like that but maybe bring cool. them back and then homebrew them you yeah. know what i mean bring I back like the it. idea or how about this we don't have to just t take what what uh what blog knobs already done new structures yeah what about that just more new just structures. more structures i just want more stuff i just want to see what we can do to shake up the tempo conversation we kind of always have. I like it, and it's good for tournament stuff, but then when you, you see me get antsy during the semifinals, because I'm just ready to do weird stuff again. I'm ready to do other little things. So these are my little side yeah. projects. Well, hey, That's Matt, if you want to have the Homebrewers Guild, you can have it. <laughs> you can just have it Yeah, you, you had want. it in 2021, and you're done. Yeah, I'll take it. Yeah, it's fine. I'm kind of I'm kind of out of gas on it, yeah. to be, to be yeah. completely honest. <laughs> it, was, uh, it, it was a wild ride. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I bequeath it to you uh, now. <laughs> canonically if everyone <laughs> will just mark this episode as the episode where hunter bequeathed uh -huh. the homebrewers guild to matt i accept uh, that's something that happened I you accept mm -hmm. oh i'm out of here exactly. okay <laughs> i am can, done you can raise i this just want to play normal normal yeah. di forever all right that's it just go to our website to spacecastpeaceturtles.com for more merch and uh stuff boy let me tell you there's a Ooh. thing in the works there's a stuff cooking there's a 
butter flagship in the works in terms of some form of merch, and we'll see what it ends up being. But uh, get excited for this hot new, I don't know, pin, shirt, sticker, whatever. It's all at be. once, it's gonna be, whatever. It's going to be something. Um, uh, we're we're talking about merch again. I think we're going to uh, overhaul yeah. the uh, our approach when it comes to merch. Revamp it. Um, mostly because like something funny will happen in the Discord. And it feels like it takes us forever to tur- to get a turnaround on it. Yeah. Um, and I would like to close that gap. So, yeah, we've got this butter flagship thing that I think is hilarious. Um, yeah. A lot of people that listen to the show probably don't even know what we mean by butter. Sure. Um, you got to get on the Discord if you want to yeah. find that out. It's probably already to too late, honestly. <laughs> it's probably too late. But the butter ship has sailed. I'm sorry. Um, I can't believe it, but it's not, you know, your time for butter. Yeah. Can't believe it. And I believe it. Yeah, you butter believe it. Thank you for listening to Space Cat's Peace Turtles. And thanks to Ben Prunty for the use of his music. You can find more at benpruntymusic.com and benprunty.bandcamp.com. Pax Magnifica, Bellum Gloriosum. <laughs>